Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Your copy of God's Word to Matthew 5, verse 9. Matthew 5, verse 9. We've been looking at the Beatitudes. We, the first week we looked at, um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the homes, the families who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the singles who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then last week we looked at, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we want to see God in our homes, in our families, families and in our lives at work in major ways and so we must pursue purity and today I want to talk to you about becoming people of peace people of peace and obviously I believe God wants our homes characterized with peace now you're going to say that's difficult and I know um, it is a hard thing to accomplish because we all have that psycho in our family not in our immediate family and not our spouse right you would never say that you have them in your home right now because then I would have to extend this into a marriage um, counseling type deal. But we all had that cycle, right? Does anybody have that? You go to family reunions, you have the crazy cousin that you know you don't want to get around and don't let them get into the wrong stuff because they'll make them crazy. Anybody have that, have that person in the family reunion? You, you, you have that person in your family? Let's see your hands. Raise them high. You know, you know who they are. Okay, you got them? Okay, if you're not raising your hand right now, you may be that person they're talking about. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. But that's what makes our, our family reunion so unpredictable and crazy is, is that we have such a variety of people in our homes. And I, wanna, I know that relationships are challenging and very difficult on every level. Uh, marriage is not easy. Relationships with kids aren't easy. But I do believe that even as difficult as it may seem, God still wants us to have peace in our homes at some level and some point. And so I want to talk to you this morning about being a peace maker or a peace taker. And look at Matthew 5 verse 9. Jesus uh, addressing the crowds on the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. One more time, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just thank you for a day to celebrate freedom, um, not only through Christ, but in our country. We thank you for everyone um, who has served, those who have fallen and gone before us in the armed forces in our country. We thank you for putting your hand on on America to have religious freedoms, and we pray that you would, God, um, allow us to continue to have that by your sovereign hand and your grace. Today we ask that as we look at your word, as we look at peace, that you are the Prince of Peace, and you would help us, God, to have our homes filled with peace. We love you and we praise you. And it's in your good name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. See, when Jesus uh, said this to the crowds, it was in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember his inaugural sermon? And I've told you every week that it was the best inaugural sermon ever. Right? Like my first sermon, two hours. I preached the whole book of Ephesians in two hours. People were sleeping on the front row. I'm talking about laid down, horizontal sleeping. Um, I have I've preached with a naked child running through the aisle. 
I have preached with people sleeping horizontally. I can get through almost anything that happens. Jesus didn't have that problem his first sermon, though. It was a home run. And he addressed his people, the Jews, and was trying to, to flip the script. He was trying to deconstruct the way they were thinking about things. Um, actions only. God cares about actions to saying God cares about the heart. And so what he, he shares here is blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And the word peace there is in the Greek, the word irene. Now I know you will not remember that tomorrow, um, but I'm going to break that down for you because it's the same root word from the Greek word shalom in Hebrew. And the word does not mean, peace does not mean absence of conflict. Because when I said that you thought, okay, we should have no conflict in our home. That's, that's not what it means. That word peace means the highest good. Meaning that, that uh, when you say peace be unto you, you say, I wish the highest good unto you. And in our homes, I think we should strive for the same um, ideas that we would have the highest good in our home. And this was countercultural to the Jewish way of thinking. Realize Jesus came to deconstruct the way they were thinking and then reconstruct. Their thoughts were this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, you make my eye blue, I'll make yours blue. That's how they fight. And that's our America. That's what we do in America too. I'm going to look up number one. You hit me, I'll hit you. And so Jesus comes and says, no, 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 no. It's totally different. God wants peacemakers. He wants those who will not respond to evil the same way that the world does. If you're going to grasp this, I need you to understand something about being a peacemaker though. You're going to be either a peacemaker, a peacetaker, or a peacekeeper. Now we all know what peacetakers are, right? We all have peacetakers in our home. Okay, you, you're smart. You are smart people. You all know a peacetaker somewhere, don't you? Maybe at your job, it's that person who worries you to death. Um, maybe you can be a peacetaker sometime where you just take peace from people. I, I do that to our staff. When I walk in, they're glad when I'm gone taking care of dad because they can actually get work done and I'm, I'm not taking peace for them. But primarily in our homes, we have two types of people. Peacemakers or peacekeepers. Now, peacekeepers, you can write this in your notes, often avoid conflict to keep the peace. Peacekeepers avoid conflict to keep the peace. They want to um, try to work around the issue. They give fake smiles and lies. And then months and months go by and then finally the blow up happens. Is everything good? Everything's fine. It's, it's alright. Do you know that's a lie? If you do that, if somebody says, how are you doing? And you say it's okay and, and you're not, you're lying. I would never lie. But you just told them you're okay. And that, that's what peacekeepers do. I don't, I don't I just want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it right now. Let's just let's sweep it on the rug and maybe it'll go away. You know what? Sometimes it, maybe it does. But oftentimes as a peacekeeper, it doesn't go away, does it? It just wells up in you and you're sitting there at your office in your cubicle and you're just, oh, I cannot believe that my husband let his socks on the floor again. He does not love me. He must be having an affair. That's what you start thinking. And then he must be embezzling money. He must be. And then we, we, and we, we, we dwell on these things. If you're trying to be a peacekeeper, you sweep it under the rug. But instead of being a peacekeeper to avoid the conflict, you must be a peacemaker. And what peacemakers do, you can write this down, peacemakers embrace conflict to make peace. They embrace conflict to make peace. Peacemakers don't work around the issue. They deal with it. In a loving manner. They want to find out what the root source is. And in a loving way, in the right time and right place, let's deal with that. They embrace conflict. Um, if you spend any amount of time at this church, that's how we deal with things here. Conflict is good. 
conflicts are good things. And they're like, no, no, it's not a good thing. Conflict's good. It's good when you can sit down and hash things out and somebody has an opinion and they can share it. You know, immaturity in Christ is when you don't want to deal with conflict. And a lot of people go from relationship to relationship and job to job and church to church because they never want to deal with conflict. But if you're going to be a peacemaker, as Jesus said, you've got to learn to deal with conflict. You say, man, that's tough. I agree. It's much easier to say it from this platform than it is deal with it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we serve the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace, meaning that we can find peace in any situation. And one of the main ways to find it is by embracing the big idea for our series. We're not just a Christian family, but we're a Christ-centered home. You can write that in your notes there. We're not a Christian home or a Christian family, but we're a Christ-centered home. Because see, a Christian family, 80% of Americans call themselves Christians. And I've said this my third week in a row, just because you stand in the garage doesn't make you a Cadillac, does it? Vroom, vroom, baby. You have no horses. You ain't that fast. You're not that good. In the same way, sitting in church and calling yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Saying you're a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian family. It's only when you say, we're going to be a Christ-centered home. I'm going to live a Christ-centered life. Meaning in all of our fun, in all of our pleasure, in, in all of our in conflict, in everything we do, Christ will be at the center of our conversations. About the jobs we're going to take, the moves we're going to make, the things we're going to do. And you embrace by bringing your children into that conversation as well. Let them know that, that we're not just putting Jesus first, but Jesus is preeminent in everything that we do. Everything that we do. When we share a meal, Jesus is center of everything. When I go play basketball in the mornings, I'm thanking him for the strength to do it, and I'm asking him to give me peace to not get in a fight while I'm playing ball. I'm human. And then number, number three, I'm saying, God, I want to make impact in these people that are far from you who don't know you and give me. See, Eve, that's Christ-centeredness. And many of us live as a Christian family, but not a Christ-centered home. Let me, let me give a disclaimer. Why don't you look at Romans 12 real quick. Romans 12, 17. Romans 12, 17. Because some of you are going to hear this and say, it is hard to live at peace with some people. And I say to you, amen. I amen you on that. I knew you were saying that. You're saying, Kevin, um, matter of fact, there's some people I don't even want to be around. They sit over here, I sit over there. I don't really care to interact with them. I avoid them. At my office, I don't like to be around them because every time I get around them, they cause trouble. So are you telling me that I've got to be friends with them? I've got to embrace them? I've got to hang out with them? We've got to go, you know, uh, shoot pool together and play golf together or swim or whatever women do, lay out by the pool, shop, you know. Have we got to do all that? No, you don't. And, and let me give a disclaimer here in Romans 12, 17, because I believe Paul addresses this to the Roman uh, church. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Now, that, that, that mirrors Jesus' teaching in the Beatitudes. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, for you to say, I don't care what anyone thinks, that's also a misnomer because Paul says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then look at verse 18, because it's going to answer that question. If it is possible. Do you get that? Because some people it's not possible, is it? Some people, you're better off loving them from a distance. And Paul says it. As far as it depends on you. Now here's the, let me just call a time out and let's talk about this for a second. Because many times we'll say, yeah, but they, and they, and they. Paul says it depends on you. 
And you, I've got to talk to you about you, not you about them. Because Paul says, you, see, nobody controls your reaction to them. I don't care if, and Jesus is saying they could poke you in the eye. And you are not to respond to that in the way they responded to you. And Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on who, on, say me. Because you were thinking about your spouse at that point, and you shouldn't have done that. The Lord's given me insight into your thoughts right now, and I'm, I'm joking. Live at peace with everyone. Now, let me just share this with you. To live at peace doesn't mean you need to live in partnership. You've probably been hurt by people, abused, maligned, neglected. And you don't have to keep running back to that situation just because you forgive them. If you're in an abusive relationship and you're being physically beat, you need to call 911 and get out of there. You don't keep running back to that because I, oh, I forgive them. And I'm being real with you. I'm talking, about, uh, talking real here. You can love them from a distance and let them, let them get their life right. There are people, and, and here's what I do, and, and, and we'll, we'll do this a little more later, but I always have to look, and I, I do a timeline, when did drama enter my life, if I'm going through drama? If you're always on Facebook, and you're always posting, and always stuff like drama, you know? These people, these people. Well, pause and ask, when did it enter? And I trace back to relationships, and when I find that relationship, either we're going to make it right or I'm cutting them off. Because I don't have to live with that as far as it depends on me. And living at peace with some people means you need to unfollow them on Twitter, you need to block them on Facebook, you need to block their number, and stop hanging out. That's what living at peace, live, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. And you've got to do that. And I'll say this, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You have as much drama in your, in your life as you want to have. Right. If you say, I've got level 10 drama, it's your fault. Because Paul said, as it depends on you. Right. And so sometimes you've got to cut things out. And then if it's with your spouse, you've got to learn to embrace that and deal with it and talk about the issues. Deal with that together. My wife and I have a very open dialogue and we're very truthful to each other. And that's one thing, you know, what happens with counselors. You know what a counselor is built to do for you? Help you have the conversations you're unwilling to have together. Or unable to have because of immaturity or hurt. And the way you can avoid a counselor is you learn to talk about those things that have hurt you. And those things that, that, that you feel that your spouse doesn't care when they do those things. It's, it's getting together and having those conversations. See, I believe that every home can have peace. I, I, I'm making a declaration that my home is a home of peace. My wife's going to enjoy her life. She's going to enjoy coming home. She's going to enjoy being around me, even in my worst days. And what I want to share this morning with you is how do you have that? And what do peacemakers do? And I have three points this morning I want to share with you. What do peacemakers do? The first thing that peacemakers do, and you can write this in your talk notes, is they tell the truth in love. They tell the truth in love. And look at Ephesians 4.15. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He said, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Watch this. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. See, one of the major marks of being Christ-like in your maturity is speaking the truth in love. Now, Paul said this. He says that we're going to tell the truth in love, not yell the truth in love. Because some of the homes in here, you yell the truth in love, right? Paul says we're going to tell the truth in love. We've got to get to a place in our lives where we say, you know what? I want maturity 
to lead this conversation. See, many of us in here aren't dealing with the issues correctly. And here's how you deal with the issues. Let me just break this down for you. Number one, deal with the issues during non-conflict times, non-war times. Deal with the issues during peace times. You know those war times when you're at each other? And she rolls that way and you roll that way and you, and, you know, and your backs are to each other in the bed. You, you know that. And you don't want your feet to touch her feet because if they do, you know, oh, I've crossed the line. I don't want to. Wait to non-conflict times. Wait till everything dies down a little bit. Some of you are like going and beat on the door. I want to talk to you right now. Open that door. I'm mad. We're going to deal with this. And, and you, sometimes you need to back off and say, you know what? Let's just take a break. Let's go to our corners of the ring. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord and then come back together. And so my wife and I will actually deal with things during non-conflict times. We'll go out to eat and she'll say, I just wanted to, to share something with you. And I'm all like peaceful. And that's the best time to do it. So deal with issues during non-conflict times. The second thing is this. Work on one issue at a time. One issue at a time. And I've said this before. I'm going to say it again because I know you guys have the spiritual gift of amnesia. That's why I keep saying things over and over. (laughs) Is that when you deal with one issue at a time, you've got to let that person deal with the issue that's on their heart. The rudest thing and the most immature thing you can do is, is, is your spouse say, you know, this really, really bothers me. Or your children say that, whatever. And then you say, you know what? Here's what bothers me about you. Here's what you always do. And you start fighting each other. When my wife brings something to me, we, we, we sit down and we deal with that issue. And we have a law. We have a commandment in our home. We deal with one issue at a time. So she comes and she's like, honey, I, I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, oh man, I should have got her first. Oh, I should have got that issues. I can't say anything like any issues that I have. And we sit down and we deal with those issues, to, that issue together. And I'll never forget the day that, um, that, you know, that, that we were sitting there and she brought an issue to me. And I kept bringing issues up. And she says, well, do you really care how I feel or are you just trying to get your thoughts and feelings out because when you do this I feel like you don't care about me and boom we made that commandment I said I'm so sorry that was selfish and that was immature for me to do that so now we have this commandment so now I'm like keeping a little list of things and so like no I'm just I, I don't do that love records no wrongs first Corinthians 13 if you need scripture with that I'm um, attack the issue not the person you never you always you only Number one, that's a lie because nobody never or always does anything except for breathe until they die. Okay? So you can't use you never and you, um, you always. What you do is you share the appreciation for the person, watch this, but then unappreciation for the issue. Did you catch that? You show appreciation for the person, but unappreciation for the issue. So you may say that you're an amazing husband or wife, but when you do blank, it makes me feel blank. So you're appreciating who they are because a lot of times in it when you get like somebody comes at you with an issue you feel personally attacked, right? Doesn't it like attack you? Even at your job you feel like man it's a personal attack on me. Um, Learn to attack the issue not the person. And here's the deal. You've got to learn to speak the truth in love. Truth without love is being a jerk. I told him the truth. Yeah and you were a jerk when you did it. Let's just be real. Well, I'm just so loving. I just don't want to say that to them. Well, you're, you're being a liar. So the truth without love is being a jerk, but love without truth is being a liar. And that's why Paul says, speak the truth in love. And by doing that, we grow in Christ likeness. And what that may look like is this here. 
You say, when you don't listen to me, I feel like you don't value me. Or you may say, when you raise your voice, I don't feel safe and secure in your presence. And you may, you may say this, you may not even notice, but we're, we're our friends. You say these little things and it really hurts me when you say those things. And be careful what you say to each other around friends in public that you should only be, I mean, even if you're joking, you need to be careful about sarcasm and, and jabbing because sometimes you will say things that hurt people that you really don't mean. I've done it, you've done it, we're all guilty of it. And my wife and I, um, you know, she's hypersensitive about that. So, you know, we'll, we'll leave and say, well, what did you think about when you said this? I'm like, I didn't think anything about it. Well, I think you offended them. Then I'll, like, did I offend you? They're like, no. I was like, good. But she's hypersensitive about that whole thing. And then you may say this, when you continue to check your phone at the table, I feel, I feel devalued. That's me. My wife will tell me that. She says, and she'll say, will you please leave your card on the phone when we go out to eat tonight? She gives me permission to use my phone or not. Because that's my mobile office. And I'm just, uh, I ADD and I'm, I get bored really easy. And so we better keep the conversation going or I'm ready to, you know, what's going on in the world? And so she shuts me down on that though because she feels devalued when I pull my phone out and I'm, I'm scrolling. She feels devalued if I cut the TV on. She's trying to talk to me. I'm watching TV and so she lets me know. And therefore, I um, respond to that. Speak the truth in love. To have, have Christ-centered homes that exude peace, we must speak the truth in love. Communicate and be open. And act mature when you do it. Um, our kids' ministry is over there in that area, not here, right? But some of them can speak the truth in love more than adults can. Uh, let's go to our second point because I, I want you guys to start throwing tomatoes at me. Um, the second point is this. Apologize when you are wrong. How do we, what do we do to be peacemakers? Apologize when you are wrong. And look at James 5, 16. James writes to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. We're in this whole movement. I'm going to say this right now. I see a lot of stuff and I, I, read, I look at blogs and all that and you get people who don't know the Bible that are writing blogs that shouldn't be reading. And they say, we shouldn't confess sins anymore. Don't, don't worry about sins anymore. Why did James write this if that's not the truth? It's important that, that, that we, to God, understand when, man, we're like, God, I'm sorry, man, I, I messed up. And he's not mad at you. But we confess it, but it's also important that you confess sins to people. You have people around you like, man, I just have been having thoughts. I've been thinking these things. I've been doing these things. I just want you to pray for me. You know, will you just lift me up? And you need that because, see, when you ask God for forgiveness, he forgives you. But when you bring your faults to others, then you can be healed of those issues. Because there's accountability there. And James says, um, bring or confess your sins to one another and pray for each other, not gossip, so that you can be healed. What would your relationships look like if you begin to confess faults? What if you went to your spouse and said, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm sorry, I was really hard on you. I, I, I just want you to forgive me. That was stupid to say that. That brings healing, doesn't it? Because they feel like, wow, he or she really cares. And, and they're being sensitive to this. And here's what you have to do. Admit specific actions without excuses. You hear that? Note takers, I'll say it again. Admit specific actions without excuses. And here's that, what that looks like. You can't say, I know I snapped at you, but if you weren't so short with me, I wouldn't snap at you. Because you're not really sorry, are you? It's the butt problem. Some of us have got big butts that get into our relationships and we got to get those out of there. Well, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. 
I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. That, that's not good enough. That's, that's making, um, uh, you're giving actions with, with excuses. But here's what you can say. I am so sorry that I neglected your needs. Or I'm so sorry I didn't call you when I was going to be late. And you know, here's how you can de- you know, you can be MacGyver with the bomb just like this. You, you've ever seen MacGyver the bomb? Older folks in here? Anybody my age and up? Remember MacGyver? He could defuse a bomb in like the last 30 seconds of the show and everybody was safe. We all have bombs in our relationships. Whether it be jobs, family family, uh, marriage. The way you defuse a bomb is saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you always are. And I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm, I'm sorry. And be sincere about it. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but really be sincere about it. And what does somebody say to you when you say you're sorry? You're not a good pastor. And I don't think you're this. I don't think that. I'm sorry, you know, and you're probably right. I got a lot of issues I do really need to work on. And I'm trying to keep my head above water. And I'm sorry I let you down. And I've said that to people. But I'm not, there, there's no S under this, this shirt here. I'm a human being. And, and, and the same thing with my wife. When she says, well, you know, I really expected this and you didn't do it. It's like, man, you know what? I'm sorry. I really am. And, and we've even come to this, this far. And you're going to think this is extreme. But here's what she wants to hear and what I, my standard. Just say it won't happen again. That's what she tells me. I can't promise that. So you just going to keep doing it? Because when you do that, I feel like you don't love me. And you know what? Now, she, she gives me grace. She knows I'm not going to be perfect. But I'll say, baby, I'm going to do my best to see that never happens again. I'm going to try my hardest to see that I, I never do that again. And she says, thank you. Because that means that you care for me. I'll never forget when we first got married. We were in this little apartment in Georgia. And we just got married and you have first-year marriage problems. Anybody remember first-year marriage problems? Is anybody in first-year marriage problems? Okay, this is going to help you here. Well, um, I come down from the stairs and she says, um, you know, honey, you did this and you did that. And you left the, this food out and ants got in it and you've done all this. And, and, and she kept going. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. And I brought the butt in there. I, did, I brought my butt in. I inserted the butt. You don't insert butts. And, and, I, and I kept doing it. And finally she said, you know what? Are you sorry or are you not sorry? Because if you're not sorry, if you're not sorry, then let's just stop it and, I, and, and just continue to do things that devalue me. Now, do you think she got my attention at that point? And I, I paused and said, baby, I'm so sorry uh, for doing that. And I will not insert a butt. She said, a butt. She said either you're sorry or you're not. And, and that's why the, the route we have to take to be peacemakers is really saying we're sorry. And the difference is this. Saying I'm sorry is not just enough. That's remorse. I'm sorry. My dad hates the word I'm sorry. You never say I'm sorry to dad. I don't want to hear I'm sorry. Just don't do it again. I mean, that's his thing. See that? That's remorse. I'm sorry. But repentance is I'm sorry for blank and please forgive me. That's what, that, that's what brings healing to relationships. Not just I'm sorry, but I'm sorry for this action and please forgive me for it. Confess your faults, your sins to one another and pray for each other so you may be healed. And a lot of relationships need healing today and that's what brings healing into the situation. What if we did this in our relationships? What if we begin to act like this? What if we did this in church? Let's just be real about church. My realness scares some folks off and it's okay. But there's folks that hop from church to church like Peter Cottontail because they never deal with conflict. I'm serious and you hop from relationship to relationship and job to job because you never deal with issues. If somebody offends you, go to them. If you're offended, go to them. Be a peacemaker. And when you're wrong, just say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. 
You're going to learn something about me here. I'll say it. I, yeah, yeah, I, I messed up. That was a dumb decision. You were right. And I've, I've told our church council that before. It's like, yeah, you guys are right about that one. I totally missed it. And I think when we do that, it, it gives a chance for us in our lives to be healed of hurts. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be what? Called the children of God. Here's the last point this morning. Your third and final point is this. Peacemakers forgive and let go. They forgive and let go. Look at Colossians 3.13. Paul writes to the church in Colossae and he says this. He says, bear with each other. Bear with each other. That's, that's those people hard to get along with, right? Oh, Ooh, yeah, they great me, but man, I love them. They're precious. Seriously, that's how you got to think about it. Because they are precious in God's sight and they're doing something. The kingdom said, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What, what if our community of believers, what if our families, what if our relationships all look like that? We forgave and let go. What if we actually were able to bear with one another and forgive one another? Wouldn't that be beautiful? I mean, I long for a community of believers that understands each other's issues. We understand each other's weaknesses. We understand our problems. We, can, we know the worst about someone, but yet we bear with them. We love them and we forgive them and all that they have done to us. And I know that it's hard. Some of you have been really hurt by people. I mean, if, if I interviewed you, you could share hurts that I've never experienced. Things I've never been through. And you could say, yeah, but at age 13, this person did this to me. How can I, how can I forgive them? My spouse did this to me. My father, my friend, whatever your list is. And we've all experienced that hurt in some way. And it's not easy to forgive. But how do we do this? And you have to forgive as the Lord forgave you. Because whatever you have had done to you, you've done to the Lord. It wasn't just the Romans and the Jews that crucified Jesus on the cross. It was me and you with our own sin. We put the nails in his hands. And you know what Jesus did? He forgave us fully of everything that we have ever done. So how do we do this? Let me ask you this. Has the Lord forgiven you of a lot of sins? Yeah, the answer is yes. You can say yes. It's okay. It's, it's actually not a multiple choice. It's just one answer, yes. And I often reflect upon the vile person that I was. And the Lord freely forgave me. Has the Lord forgiven you freely? And the answer is, yeah. He's, he doesn't bring it back up. He's not like, you know, in 97, that thing you did, man, I'm still kind of ticked about that. You know when, when, when you know when you said you were going to go serve with the food ministry and you didn't show up and you went out and partied? <laughs> I'm really mad about that and we've got to talk. God doesn't do that. He's not like recording all your wrongs. The Bible says from the east is to the west. He, as far as that is, he doesn't remember them anymore. Isn't that beautiful? Freely forgiven you. Has the Lord released you of all your debts? And the answer is... Yes, he's forgiven us. How beautiful is that? And that's what a Christ-centered home does. See, I grew up in a home that was very dysfunctional. Parents were very professional, but very dysfunctional. My dad is an alcoholic. He's, the first time he's not had a drink in 47 years has been this week because he's in ICU on a ventilator. 
I watched that my whole life. And I watched my dad, um, he's a great dad and he's an awesome dad, but growing up he did very terrible things that sometimes he wouldn't even remember. I'd wake up and my whole house would be trashed from a fight that him and mom had and they, they tore the house up and I'd leave and I'd crinkle through the broken glass and the broken plates and the birds flying around from our cage and dogs hiding under the, under the couch and I'd come back in and it's all cleaned up. I experienced abuse. And you know, uh, throughout the years, I really in my heart developed a hard heart toward my dad. Even as a believer, I, I just didn't really care for him. I wanted him saved. I wanted to you know, plead the blood of Jesus over him, all that good stuff. But, but I really you know, had a hard heart toward him. And I was at a, a home gathering of pastors and leaders, and we, we met for our master's degree program. Then we'd get together in a home, we'd kind of eat together, and we'd worship together and pray together just a little bit and just fellowship. And we were praying for each other. And this person who didn't know me from Adam prayed, and they just said, you know, I was praying for you, and I don't know, but I just feel like you got a lot of bitterness against your dad. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, not true, but I just as I was praying, and I just broke down and I did. And they said, That's like the Lord says you need to forgive your dad. And, and, I, and I took time and I verbally forgave and released my dad at that point. I didn't have to go to him and tell him that. You know, I mean, he, 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 he wasn't proud of anything that he did. But I began to for, verbally forgive my dad. And anytime I ever think of anything that's hard hearted toward him, and you can know if you've forgiven someone by the thoughts you think toward them. Okay, when those thoughts come up, you know whether or not you've, you've forgiven them. And, and I've had to forgive him fully. And I can tell you today, I love my dad. He's not a believer, and he's still a rough man. And right now, he's fighting for his life in ICU. And, and you know, and, and I'm there with him. I'm just praying over him. I have mercy for him. I love him. I'm so appreciative of all the good things he did for me. But it took somebody saying, you know what? I, I believe you've got heart issues of unforgiveness against your dad. And you need to forgive and let go. And friends, I believe that's happening in our marriages. Some of you 10 years ago had something happen in your marriage. You still haven't forgiven and let go yet. And it's not easy, but it's something that we must do. And as followers of Christ, we forgive and we let go. There was a story of the Civil War. And there was a lady who had a big, beautiful tree in her yard. And during the Civil War, this, one of the forces come through and they really messed her tree up. I mean, it was just, it wasn't cut down, but it was, you know, shaved limbs off and burnt some of it. And she was mad. This was like several years later. And she was complaining to a guy who was then a general in the forces about it. He says, these guys did this and these guys did that. And I'm just still angry. He said, man, it's been several years. And she kept fussing. So he goes out back that night and goes and finds the tree and he cuts the tree down. He says... The tree's gone now. Let it go. <laughs> Many of us in, in, in our lives need to say we need to let it go. Because listen, God's family is worth it. You don't have to live in partnership with that person. You may not even like them, but forgive them as far as it depends on you. Our family's worth it. We are followers of Jesus. We forgive. We don't retaliate. We don't go and try to have affairs with our spouse. We don't go and try to get them back. We don't repay evil for evil, but we repay um, good for evil. We don't do that. We forgive as we have been forgiven. Amen. We forgive as we have been forgiven. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. If you will, just bow your head and close your eyes. And here today, I want to take a few moments to pray for you before we close out. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you may be sitting here this morning. And you're saying, Kevin, I, um, 
I don't know what forgiveness is. I've never been forgiven by Jesus. I don't know the beauty of having my sins washed away. I have guilt and condemnation and things that I've done. And I didn't know that Jesus would freely forgive me of all my sins. I thought I had to work to do it. Maybe you're sitting here and that's your thoughts and and you've walked in in here today knowing that you want to get right with God. You want to know Jesus as your Savior. You want to surrender to Him as Lord and you want your life to count as something. And maybe today you come in and that's where you're at. With your your head bowed and your eyes closed, there's nobody looking at you and, and, you know, pointing you out. If you want to know Jesus today and have your sins washed away and become part of that family of believers and you want a fresh and new start, all I'm asking you to do is just simply raise your hand and say, that's me, Kevin. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I want to know Him.